This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Celtic Rumors TV, the Balls Above It podcast with your host Mark and myself Paul. On today's show, we will took, take a look at the latest rumours and gossips around Celtic. Mark and myself will talk about the role as a podcast, as a podcasters, and are we being too negative uh, in the news about Celtic? John United Ireland uh, from the phone will be joining us. Where we will pay tribute to the the late and great Tommy Bonds. Michael and Jonas will join us uh, uh, for the last hour of the show. And we will discuss strict liability in the Scottish game. Firstly, just Mark for our usual shout-outs. Mark? Well, thanks very much, Paul. Uh, thanks again for everything you're doing. But uh, just the usual shout-outs to Tim Alloy, uh, Malika, and Richie ROH, and young Ben is still plodding. Well, he's not really plodding along, is he? But his, le- his legs is, but hopefully he's getting better every day as things go on. Uh, just like to thank everybody as well. My subscriptions are getting up. The amounts of likes on the channels, fantastic. And I was explaining to Paul earlier on that the likes isn't it? It's not like an ego thing or that. that or if you give us a thumb up, it just like gives us a wee ego boost. It helps you move further up the YouTube algorithms. I mean, interactions are with your channel. Now that's what I always ask you to subscribe and like. And I'm just going to put this up on the screen. The it's an email I got yesterday. Maybe take a couple of seconds to come through for these. Uh, and I, I, I don't know why I got this email. I didn't know I'd registered with. It must be something to do with iTunes. It says, hi, how's it going? Hope all is well. Have some cool information that might interest you in your podcast, the Buzz and Buffalo podcast. Good performances in Apple podcast rank the last 30 days. Position number 70 in the category of football in the whole United Kingdom and 103 in Ireland. I mean, speaking to Paul about it, there must be some amount of podcasts in the UK. And for us to be at number 70 after a, a couple of months, he just, uh, us guys just sitting talking about Celtic. Uh, and that's absolutely brilliant. So thanks very much for all that that you've done for us. Uh, just that's all I've got to say, Paul, back to your Perfect. So just similar rumours. Celtic have responded to Sky Sports by saying discussions were held with Fogel Harkin, but he was not off- offered the director of football club. Sky Sports claimed on Monday the first of six that Harkin had taunted on Celtic's director of the football approach and that he will remain as Celtic. Uh, news just in today is that Celtic are looking to broker other deals with Yokohama in, in, Germany, in Japan. Celtic are reportedly looking to bring in their assistant manager Sean Anton and first team coach John Hutchinson, both who are Australians and they want them to walk along and Pox leader at Celtic. Uh, it's now looking likely that 
John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan will be taking care of pre-season training for Celtic as uh, Postloka and his backroom staff will have to train questions in. Will they still be part of the Celtic squad uh, come, is it Mark, we say two weeks? Uh, two, three weeks? Two, I think it is. You know, will they still be part of that and will they be part of Andre Postloka's uh, backroom staff? Sean Maloney is reportedly have been approached by Celtic. We Celtic fans are led through that discussion. It's already been taking place. It's not yet known what role Sean Maloney will be taking up at Celtic, but there has rumours that he'll be taking up a kind of a director of football, director of operations role. I would like to see Sean Maloney back at Celtic myself, but as a director of football, is he qualified for that role at, at Celtic at the moment? Uh, the Celtic board are ready to move to. Are the Celtic board ready to move to Plan C if all fails with Andre Postecoglou? Uh, is Martin O'Neill go- going to be named as director of football? Roy Keane, Damien Duff as his assistant, or will Martin O'Neill become the new Celtic manager? These are the latest rumours about the manager vacancy at Celtic at the moment. Celtic could be able to bring in a new goalkeeper, Freddie Woodman, on loan with an option to buy as part of a Chris Iyer deal uh, to Newcastle. Uh, should Celtic tell Southampton that if they want Ryan Christie, that they should include Moya Elenusi in the deal as a player exchange? And finally, from the Celtic rooms and gossip, uh, Inter Milan have joined the race to sign Musa Edwardic from Celtic as replacements for Chelsea targets uh, Lukaku. That's all from the chance of rumours and gossip. Mark, uh, some interesting things going on, the gossip things. Uh, have you heard anything about this kind of Sean Maloney deal that's kind of floating around? This was kind of written with the press and that. I don't, I don't, I don't think Sean Maloney's getting experience to be a director of football or that club besides a Celtic, Paul. Mm-hmm. The experience of the skill setter. Exactly. I mean, how, how, how does Sean Maloney know about, like, running scouts and, well, he's not running them, but he's in charge of the scout, he's in charge of, he'd be in charge of everything with football. It's not like... Contract negotiations, he'd be in and all sorts of things, and I don't see... I mean, You're not going to kind of have that rule in international football, Mark, negotiations and stuff like that, like, you know what I mean? I mean, you I, know? football's came on a lot, and I'll speak about that now with the Euros starting, but I'm not a great fan of it, but... To me, it's a kind of part-time job, really, isn't it? Managing and coaching at international level. Although they're flying about and watching players and keeping track of players, they're not actually working with players on a daily basis and things like that. Mm-hmm. A big, a big, big massive step up for Sean Maloney to take that kind of job. And what about this uh, Freddie Woodman deal? I, I've, I've read a few Newcastles are kind of unhappy that he's leaving as they race him highly. We've been linked with him a few times in the past, Mark, like, should Celtic know, like, say that they want him apart to still considering the goalkeeper situation, or is he not a young prospect, a project, seeing that he's he's not really proven to be number one yet in any, at any club? Well, neither had Fraser Foster, had he? Mm-hmm. But I, I've heard he would been over the years in that, and he does seem to have a really good reputation. It's, a, again, what we know, we've gone for getting a loan off in Newcastle reserve with Fraser Foster to spending £5 million 
with a goalkeeper like Barkas is a heavy gamble. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't. I wouldn't be too unhappy if you were selling Barkas and get my money back and bring it in. That young boy would would burn into it. Would burn. Would burn, yeah. And Taking him as a replacement. But I mean, what age is he now, Paul? Did he? He's still a young man, he's only about 22, 24, like, but that's the age of our current goalkeepers anyway, do you know what I mean? So he's in that age bracket, like, you know. Well, he's as young as, I thought he was maybe a wee bit younger than that, still was. He really have any problem with that coming in. He's coming up to Scotland to prove that he can be a number one, which is mm-hmm. just what Foster done, isn't it? Exactly. So we're just moving on, and the reason I put this in is the role of the podcast is that I saw on Twitter the last couple of days that some Celtic fans are unhappy about the role of some podcasts and media of the, co- the coverage at the club at the moment. They're unhappy because the negativity around the club that we are reporting. The reason I put this po- topic in is that whoever these Celtic fans are at the moment, and if you can see that the club is in turmoil at the moment, basically you need to wake up. All role in the podcast is uh, report the good and the bad times we have at Celtic and if you can't entertain Paul we try and give folk a bit of entertainment a bit of laugh about things exactly exactly but at at the the moment Mark you you can't be blind to what's happening at the club I mean it's it's hard not to be negative I mean I'll see when we're talking about Paul I'll I'll say my say but I don't half on about it it was like when Neil Lennon came in I said my say about Neil Lennon and that was it. I didn't half on with it day in, day out and day. But the new, it's hard not to be negative because there is nothing really positive to be about. Mm-hmm. Especially with the uncertainty surrounding the manager, the Eddie, Eddie Howdy falling through. Well, any other year we're sitting here, but well, if I've got a manager now in place, any year we're, we're already starting to talk about what kind of players will be coming in and that. Mm-hmm. Not paying any attention to Because... If we've not got a manager, it doesn't well heart, there's not been working then director of football work. But there's been empty I don't understand what what's been going on behind the scenes at Celtic for months now. So mm-hmm. I can see why people are moaning about people moaning. But <laughs> I know you know what I mean? Yeah. As we've spoke about it and that's one of the reasons we put the podcast off to the night, was hoping that there would be some positive news because we just find ourselves talking about the same things over and over again, and it is all negative about why things aren't happening, why is this one not coming in, why, do you know what I mean, sir? It's hard not to be negative, but we, t- as I say, we try to keep it a wee bit positive, and I try to always see even something good in whatever it is, do you know what I mean? Michael, who said, who's become the chore there, has made a good point there, even John... The quadruple travel mark, there were still fans mourning about things that said, so you're never going to kind of please these these fans who actually have a mourn about anything. They're out there and they're releasing umpteen blogs a day and different podcasts, and, and, but they're all just basically saying the same things over and over again. It's just mm-hmm. been digs at the board, digs at the board, and I'm not saying you're not entitled to have a dig at the board, but you've had your dig at the board, just don't. Do you get what I mean? You don't write ten articles a day having a pop at the Celtic board. Mhm, mhm. Exactly. So we're just going to move on now. From that, we're going to move on to our next guest. Uh, our next guest, Mark, who's that? And I start walking through this early for being a man. Uh, our next guest in the show is is John, and he's night on from the forum. Uh, for any new listeners who don't know about our forum page, is CelticRoomCo.uk, where we have lots of Celtic posters who. 
voice those opinions about everything about Celtic. Mark, will now bring him on? Oh, it's not coming. It's not connecting with John. No. Just keep on the new power. Yep. So, basically, uh, what John's brought on, we're just going to get his opinions about oh, Harkin uh, supposedly refusing this rule that Sky Sports has claimed. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the late and great Tommy Vaughan's, and we hope that Mark and myself will have a good tribute to the legend. I suppose, Mark, we, we can call him a legend for what he's done to the club, can't we, to Tommy Burns? Oh, you know? Paul, one of the biggest legends in Celtic's history, and he always will be as far as I'm concerned. People talk about Tommy Burns in a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Come true, no? No, I haven't bothered getting John connected. It's just coming up with he's un- unavailable. He he be here, but he be he be he be ready, all right, Mark. Just I'll just give him time. So look, I said, Mark, just going to move on about this deal about about Harkin falling short Celtic and that. Uh, but then Celtic have responded, Mark, to to Sky Sports said that this deal was was never in discussion. That that he was never off the job. What's your take on all that, Mark? That we we thought Harkin was daily. Kind of a done deal as well in the the last couple of days, didn't we? Back to what we said about how I think everybody thought that was a done deal, didn't they, with Harkin? And mm-hmm. it, then when it was coming out that we were getting after, after Posta Coglu, again it was people were put two, two together. Well, we, thought, we all thought we were coming up with four, but we, we weren't. It was five we were coming up with. It was nothing to do with Harkin. As I'm not saying nothing to do with Maybe I didn't put Dermot Desmond spoke to him about him or something like that, but. Well, it's another just bizarre situation we seem to be in with this director of football. Exactly, like, because, like, the two names who were kind of constantly linked to this kind of role was, was Richard Hughes of Warren, the, that deal fed you of the Eddie Howe deal, and, and then number two was Harkin, and thirdly, you know, Mark, is, is Sean Maloney popping up, and there's rumours about Martin O'Neill probably coming back. That's another position that seems to be all over the place. I just, I don't know, I don't really see Martin and you being involved, I don't really see that happening, but again, it's just, there's just speculation after speculation, and we spoke before about how Celtic will release stuff to their wee pets and that, but there's not even anything like that. There's no anything. Mm-hmm. It's all just speculation and rumour, nobody's actually like, Celtic, I, I, I spoke to this guy, do you get what I mean? Exactly. So nobody seen Dermot Desmond has spoke to Mark of his director of football. Mm-hmm. I think that's John on now. Are you there, John? John, welcome back. Ah, that's me, uh, Hi, thanks for having us again. Oh, no, boy. Thanks, thanks for coming on, bud. What's your take on all this kind of situation at the moment, John? You know, that Hark, you know, was supposed to have refused the role, uh, the, the role of director of football. Celtic came out saying he was never interviewed for that. That's another area that it seems puzzling at Celtic at the moment. Who's going to be the director of football? Ah, uh, disappointing. I was kind of looking forward to him coming in. I thought he'd have done uh, good things with the connections he would have had. Obviously, we were at an elite club, but uh, it's just if if he's not been interviewed, where's all these stories coming from? 
kind of seemed to say it just the way things were going on as if that was just what was happening he was going to be coming in as director of football that's the way he was going like what he was getting led to believe but if he's not been interviewed or anything then just where did it come to where did all this come from that's, that's true Mark like like some media uh, media sources they have legs like and Harkin kind of came out of nowhere as well like and then it was just crushed by Celtic like it, it's another like woman unknown again isn't it you know well, it was like Eddie Howe Eddie Howe thing. It went on for months. Got a famous heart was first linked to it. I mean, think about the time like the under twenty manager for City as a head coach as well. Winter. Mm-hmm. So it was months ago that this came out. That it seems though that job dinner and Celtic just played. And so maybe he said he didn't want, didn't want to come out and say then again another fellow refused the job. Do you know? Uh, but we seem to be getting close to. The manager situation, and which which is important, is Andre Postlupo. Whatever I pronounce his name right, but and with his two coaches coming in, Mark, we we seem to be getting closer and closer to naming a manager, don't we? Uh, as I said the other day, I don't think anything. I don't think the compensation and things like that was any great, was any great problems. But the Japanese team here want their replacement in as soon as possible. I think before they they can think about letting them go, then. Mm-hmm. John, would you be happy with this appointment coming in? I am, kind of, I'm buzzing. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing him, to see what he's all about. It's just a kind of man where I'm looking him up and watching things on him and stuff. It just kind of everywhere he seems to go. He just kind of seems to transform that team, get the football brilliant. And just all the fans love him and they're all gutted once he leaves as well. So I'm kind of I'm buzzing to see him and uh, I can't wait to get in. I just hope we get the other line quickly and get it sorted because uh, pre-season's starting back soon and We've got a uh, Champions League qualifier on that as well, so we just kind of need to get the ball rolling and everything. Get them in and hopefully transform the team and get things going again. That seems to be the kind of the real importance, Mark, that that pre-season is going to be starting soon, around the 16th and 17th of June. And I don't think he'll be in then because he'll have to quarantine, like, but he needs to come in kind of soon after or maybe drawn it, you know? Uh, I don't think one or two days will make much difference, aren't we? The quicker he's here, the quicker his quarantine will be over and the quicker he can get into the job. That's the main thing. And what is it over in Scotland? Is it 10 days or is it two weeks here? Now? It's 10 days I've read about. 10 days. So we're going to move on and we're going to talk about the late and great Tommy Barnes. Um, just before we move on, i just have a kind of a, a brief... <laughs> my brief now is an understatement of, <laughs> of, of Tommy Barnes, but, but, but we, we'll start... Uh, Tommy Barnes was born on the 16th December 1956. His first involvement with Celtic was in 1970 at a young age of 14 years old when he joined Celtic Young Boys and stayed there for three years until he was 17 years old and went on to sign the Celtic Football Club in 1953 where he would spend the next 10 years playing for Celtic Football Club. He left Celtic in 1989 and went on to play for Kilmarnock until 1994 when he eventually retired from football. During his Celtic career, Tommy went on to play 253 times for Celtic, scoring 52 goals. In 1992, Tommy took his first steps into management when he became Kilmarnock manager. Spending two years at Kilmarnock in 1994, came Celtic manager. His honours as a Celtic player won six Scottish League Championships, five Scottish Cups and the League Cup once. During his management time at Celtic, Tommy won the Scottish Cup in 1995 and was Celtic's first trophy they had won in six years. 
Tommy was eventually sacked by Celtic Football Club in 1997 by Fergus McCann. Tommy then returned to Celtic in different roles in the assistant manager's role under the Kenny DeLeach time as manager, when Martin O'Neill took over from the dreadful era of John Bonds and Kenny DeLeach. Martin brought in his coaching staff who wanted to keep Tommy at the club and placed him in charge of the youth development. In 2005, when Gordon Strachan came manager, Tommy was appointed to first-team coach while also still looking after the youth academy. During uh, Tommy's time in, uh, in the youth academy, he produced players like, like Sean Maloney, Steve McManus, Aidan McGrady, and now interim manager John Kenny. Tommy was also had a major input in those Celtics training ground, uh, Lennox, the Lennox Town Centre, which opened in 2003. On the 29th, or two, 29th of March 2006, Celtic announced that Tommy began treatment from in cancer. Sadly, on May 15, Tommy Bonds passed away with, at his home with his family in 2008. Such repeat that people have uh, began to ask that, that Tommy Tommy Bonds has a statue and that Lennox Town Training Ground should be late, named after Tommy Bonds. Uh, we'll never forget the commitment that he spent his life at Celtic. Tommy Bonds was a hero of many Celtic supporters and never be forgotten and will always remain a Celtic legend. John, this is a subject that, that you were talking a lot to me about it. Joe, he's about the nearest at the moment that we can really get a statue out at Celtic Park and, and he dissolves the statue, uh, Tommy Bonds, doesn't he? Oh, definitely, 100%. It's, uh, the man was just, it was just green and white, he bloody green and white. Uh, Say it was his full life and uh, just, you know, he gave his full life to the club. And just in terms of a person as well, he was just a great guy and... Unfortunately, I never got to see him uh, play for Celtic. I was too young to kind of witness him play, but uh, just off through the years when he was like, as a coach and stuff like that, and just uh, I kind of knew people would meet him in person and just had nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, and I, I just gave his full life to the club, and I just think, obviously, had a massive input, and obviously getting the Lennox, the design of Lennox Town and stuff, so I just think it'd be fitting to get it named after him. Uh, she was all about Celtic, bringing the youth through, and obviously, you've named some players there he brought through. through. It's great players, and Ah, it's a, it's a quite a good show we're talking about them tonight. Mm-hmm. Mark, you're, you're, you're obviously not too old to recognise and playing, but... <laughs> I was only like a young teenager when you mm-hmm. were there, I mean, so it was still, you don't really, you, I mean, I knew he was a good player, but I, it was more his style as a manager when he was coach, was a manager, I thought... Yeah, you would have, you would have preached it and more as he got older than what he started doing for the club, yeah. I was all done, I understood football better, do you get what I mean, by the time he was mm-hmm. a manager. And, I mean, some of the football we played under Tommy Burns is some of the best I've ever seen Celtic play in my life. I don't I'd argue that with anybody. I really, in the last, I'm about 47. Tommy Burns has played some of the best football that Celtic have played in the last 50 years, I would say, without a doubt. And what happened during his career? Was it just that, is, is it the same situation now, Mark, that we just haven't been investing? Because he did have some good signings. I saw the likes of Van Howe down there, uh, George Cadetti were there around his time. But that was Davy Hay. That was Davey. I'm sure it was Davy Hay that was fighting all these players. He was working for 
Can you meet if David off the top of my head if David Hayes was head skewer working with a kind of general manager's job to be honest, but it was David Hayes was digging up all these players and that. The dog it was Tommy who was managing them and coaching them every day and bringing out the best in them. Do you know what I mean? It was it was just sitting here thinking like some of the football watching Dacanio, Cadet, Pierre and that together, it was brilliant. Great. Some some great players and and, and uh, some players that a lot of fans still talk about Mark. I did the uh, Cadio Van Hoydon, George, even though they were here for the three such a little time, like you know what I mean. The three of them left a kind of bitter taste in their mouth, but it's like what I said about when Neil Lennon left. Seeing twenty thirty years time, the the kind of anger of losing the ten year old, like that'll all be kind of put in the back burner. No, I mean, they'll, be, they'll just like reminisce about the good times more than the bad, and I think that's what we kind of do with Pierre and Pagani and the likes of them. It, it just, John, it just goes to show uh, in football that it's all about winning the league, and he won his Celtic their first trophy in six years when he won the, the Scottish Cup, Like, but it's the league that matters to Celtic, and if you, if you don't win that, your your job is up for question, isn't it? No matter, no matter who you are, it does, it does. Aye, definitely. It's, it's a league, it's uh, the bread and butter. But as Mark says, it'll be remembered for the football he played. It's probably the best football he's played in so many years. And just, I think it was the 1995 to 1996 season. I think he only lost one game. Uh, mm-hmm. so he came very close. And this is a, a brilliant Rangers side he was going up against. This is a a big spending Rangers side that we just blown everybody away with finances. Ah, <laughs> uh, he says that, didn't he, Marcus? Even uh, I feel like we were talking about with McGregor with him, Andy Gorham was just like that as well. <laughs> but you're going by Andy Gorham, like, but such respect that other footballers have for him is that, like, Ali McCoy and um, Walter Smith, they were ball bearers at his funeral, like, so, like, they put the difference beyond football behind them to recognise that their friend and their, their, their close relationship with Tommy Barnes wasn't going to get in the way of the rivalry between Celtic and Rangers, Mark, isn't this? It worked, worked with him in Scotland, didn't he, when he was a Scotland chap mm-hmm. so with mm-hmm. the team, mate. I've done, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're not getting into kind of the songs that people sing and that, but I've never heard anybody actually have a bad word to say about Tommy Burns. I've really haven't. Just everybody, everybody seems to meet just kind of the same kind of person we just uh, calm and there's no airs and graces I met him a few times over the years for, I was a young boy he, I came out was, it was a Scottish Cup final and he was sitting there in the row in front of us at Hamden him and Pierre Van Hoydonk this was years later and he was mm-hmm. blethering away quite happy to blether away to the fans and that and I, I feel what I've heard it was just like that with everybody just a really really nice guy would you think he would have still had a, a, a role if he was still alive, John, in, at Celtic, would he like been in Boston for the club, or would he still be involved in some part in the, the coaching setup, or would he kind of be too old for that 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 position now? No, I think I think he'd had a role, obviously at Celtic, just uh, right through. Oh, he's obviously passed away, obviously too early and too soon, a, a, a very bad disease. But I think if Tom was to go and obviously loved an old man and pass away with natural causes, I think he'd had a place at the club right until then. Uh, it's kind of the same way with Bert Old and stuff like that, it's just now. Uh, it's just sad that he passed away. And considering like, his involvement in, in producing some great play- young players uh, through the ranks of Celtic and having a major import into the now Celtic training centre legs, so, maybe. should that be named after him? 
you know, Mark? Uh, I'd like to see that. I've said that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The training ground should be named after them in some way, and about the thing about the statue at the stadium. I just, mm-hmm. just, it would just be a nice touch. Do you get what I mean? It would be a really nice touch for the club to do. If the fans even wanted to get together and try and do something about it, it would be a re- just a really nice thing, I, I think, to do. Because that was one of the reasons I, I kind of wanted to do this with Terry was that it's, it's all a post going up and think that Scott Long should have a statue and and this, that, the other. And, but this is a fella who actually gave his whole life to that, not just as a player manager, but he was involved with the youth, he was, in, he was involved with every aspect of the club, Mark. And, and you used to come, I've I would argue that I've said it on here. I'd argue that Scott Brown will deserve a statue at Celtic Park. But there's play, there's ex players etc. in that they know that are a lot more deserving. Exactly, Scott Brown for something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, I think it's a bit, it's a bit tacky. I think putting up, uh, especially when he's still when he's still playing. Still playing. Think, yeah, it's, it's like you know. I mean, my, I think I think he would need to come back as a coach as well. Probably Scott Brown and do stuff as a manager. And, can I bring some trophies in as well? Can I spend more time at the club to kind of get to that statue? And then you can consider Scott Long maybe get, getting a, a statue then, John, can't you? Ah, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Paul. No, because I know there was, there, there was, there was um, some talk, Mark, at the, the meeting between the fans group by a couple of weeks back that they did mention this cuff with, with Tommy Bonds, but I, I hope they act in it like and. Dominic McCoy being a Celtic supporter, that he would be be good to his word and, and, and do this, you know, because we, we have the money for this kind of stuff, Mark, don't we? It's what the fans need as well, Mark, to have this but legend to be like. That's the fans should be asking these guys at these fans' meetings. Exactly. Sitting there, they know, they manager, players are leaving, but we're hoping we're getting a director of football, but he's not in place. We're bringing a new CEO in. And these guys are fans meetings asking if we're putting a statue up. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's exactly. Like, no, as I said, these things are just wee parts in the head that the fans uh, are important because they're talking to important men. But the fans, no, just a nonsense for me. Uh, Glasgow Green is also saying that Tommy Bonds used to clean the stands uh, as a kid as well at Celtic. After, yeah. after, there'll be a video of that. Wow, that's amazing. Like, even as a young kid, like, he's been in the wrong Celtic as well his, his whole life. There used, you know? there used to be a Scottish football show on a Monday night. And I can't even for the life of me remember it now. And it showed you a video and somebody was getting interviewed and there was a wee ginger heated guy up sweeping the stands at Celtic Park and that was Tommy Burns when he was a young boy. I don't know if it's on YouTube or that. I'll try and have a wee hunt about for it later on. And who, who were the players, Mark, that he was kind of playing with around that time uh, when, he, when he was playing at Celtic? Who, who were around... I know you were young and stuff like that, but who would have been around the other day? Like Roy Yating, Paul McSteen mm-hmm. was coming into the team, and uh, Davey Proven was in the team. Davey, I like Davey Proven, I thought Davey Proven was a cracking player as well, but he's turned into a bit of a, bit of a soup taker, say, don't want to keep it friendly mm-hmm. as much as possible. <laughs> uh, so, what year was it when he left, Paul? I think it was 89, didn't it? 89, the year of the year. Aye, aye. So I would think, like, I'm trying to think, Mark McGee and that, would they have been there at the time? I think Mark McGee and that were there, aye. Uh, Mark McGee, probably Stark and that, they were all there, aye. 
Billy Stacks, he was in, was he assistant manager as well at some stage or Celtic? Was he? Oh, no, that was George Jordan, wasn't this? Who was Billy Stark? Billy Stark and Murdo McLeod were in here with, were in with Bim Janssen. Oh. Was it, was it Janssen Billy Stark was here with? He used to be like an assistant or a coach or something like that. Yeah, I remember the name. I think he was there with Tommy Burns as well. I think he went to Cabal with him as well. I'm sure he did. Maybe it was when Tommy Burns was here, he was his assistant then, maybe it was that. And like, you can't forget out like that, he was also like involved in the the, the, the the Scotland national team as well, like, so it's not just Celtic you should be on as well, like, what he did for Scotland as a whole with football as well should be applauded, uh, John, shouldn't it? Ah, uh, definitely, he's just, just a great guy to get on. Also, he's somebody that's a Celtic fan, he played for the club I support and he managed the club I support and just showed a bit more extra special that he was, a, he was attached to the club I support, he's uh, just a great guy like that and it's one thing Gordon Stratton says as well, the best thing about enjoying Celtic was when you friendly. yourself, John, that was saying where you live, he bought uh, a Celtic youth team down to play. Ah, yes, yes. I'm from Garngad, it's also people know it's Royston, but it's originally Garngad. They brought the youth team up. Uh, so we were opening a new park up there, a new football pitch, and he brought them up to kind of play a local team for a bit. And obviously after the game, uh, and he brought all the youth team up to the, like, the local pub up my way. Obviously he got a drink with everybody for the area, and got them all to mingle with everybody for the area and stuff, and he went up and got a drink, he's selling it. Aye, uh, it's just uh, Stan Ferry, he tells a story as well, so he does on his podcast. Uh, he was up there playing at that time, so he was dead. Like considering... Mark, how, how the relationship Tommy Bond had with the fans, and and we look back to now when there's near distant relationship between the Celtic Bond and the fans. You could see how 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 one man could change uh, an exception of a club uh, by by the fans, can't you? But see, back then, Paul, it was totally, it was completely different. You'd know media and stuff either, really, been back then? Not just that. I mean, I don't know if, if he can. He's in the chat, my wee pal, that comes on now and again. But we can, he'll tell you. See, years ago, we used to go, it's people for a start, we used to dog school and go and watch Celtic training. But at, at Barrafield, I think everybody mm-hmm. one thing. But even years later now, you could go and sit in the steps of Park Kid with a carrier. And the players would just walk by you and things like that. I can mind sitting and slagging off Tosh McKinley's shoes as he was walking into Celtic Park. Wow. Pure weird pair of shoes on the, but it was in Versace bags and all that back then. Tosh McKinley, but just sitting laughing at his shoes and things. Players were just coming in and out the main door. You see for autographs, pictures and things like that. It's a totally different ball game. If you wanted, see if you had a kid and you wanted to get pictures with the first team. You just went in there and hung about and you'd get pictures with anybody you wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Iceman there was saying so, some of the players that, that were played under Tommy Bonds, we had the Canio, Van Hyden, Kadesi, Andres, Tom, along with Max Day, Collins, Donnelly, McMahon and McKinley. It's amazing we didn't win more silver under Tommy Bonds considering... The, the the talent we had like I remember Andres Tom and what a player he was back wasn't he Andres Tom a brilliant player Andy Tom mm-hmm. I mean he wasn't that another smoker he was like he's like that sm- well, liked that smoke I don't mean a smoke smoke I mean a cigarette thing but he was mm-hmm. the one that liked that smoking but he's t- he's controlling the ball and things like that he was he was one of the most technically best players in Scotland at that time mm-hmm. was this around the time when 
there was dodgy dealings, signing players and stuff like that for, for Rangers and stuff like that. Was that around Tommy Bond's era as well, Mark, was it? Uh, I think it was a bit... I think it's always... Chief, if you get back to Mo Johnson signing for them. Mm-hmm. Basically, Mo Johnson needed a tax bill paid. That's basically the kind of story why he went to Rangers over Celtic. Rangers were paying his tax bill for him. Jesus. <laughs> that's, right. Honestly, that's a... That's, I get told that years ago. And I know there's other crazy stories, but I've heard that a few, right, few times for different people, and I think that's what, what it was that caused that to happen. So I think there's always been a wee bit of, for David Murray getting involved with Rangers, there's always been a wee bit of financial jiggery-pokery. I mean, every, years ago, every club done it. It's like, when they used to, it was like, the attendances, the attendances were always miles ringing, so they didn't need to pay as much tax on the attendances and that, but everybody done that, it was just partially the game but it took mm-hmm. it, they just took it to another level mm-hmm. but what was he like as a player like what was he was he skillful was he hard in the ball or was he just just an intelligent player mark or if, can you remember any, anything about him I was just I, he was a, just an all round player Paul he was he was like I, I don't but you compare him to just even like Paul McStay just that I was just about to ask you, know, yeah, like, did, did he get comfortable he, on the ball? And he had a bit of diggy about him. He wasn't scared to go in for a tackle. But great control, lovely, lovely touches in that, brilliant. You know, it's 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 very hard now to find uh, in in the modern game, John, someone who who'd be so committed to a club like the nearest possible we have to that moment is. Like the Scott Brown, who who was now called time, he's he's got sent to career, but we we still have no. Cal McGregor and James Forrest around, like James Forrest and Cal McGregor came through the youth system as well, like so like came above Scott Brown, you know, for yeah, talking about that kind of thing, but service to the club, service to the club because they're being in there around the youths and stuff like that, Mark. So, like with with young players now moving because of money, like it's going to be very hard to come across. Uh, a young player spending so many years at a club now, isn't this? You know? It's all down to money. It's totally down to money. I was talking to Ed Two today. Uh, he says that Dortmund contacted Chelsea to see if they were interested in signing that Jordan Sancho. Is it Jordan Sancho? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the price is about causing problems. His agent is wanting 50 million euros. Is that just what happened to the deal? Aye. Aye, his agent's looking for 50 million euros and he's happy. <laughs> that's uh, but, crazy, that, but that's what's, that's what's, what's killing the game, Mark. Like, when we said there, like, Celtic fans are complaining that we can't go and spend 10 million on a player or thing. It's not just that, like, it's, if you consider takes everything now, like, it's agent fees, it's the side on fee, it's the player rages, like, it could end up to at least time he leaves club like a 20 million deal by the time he leaves like in this uh, uh, definitely people don't take into that kind of consideration it's right it's, it's not just the transfer fee I put up before I listen mm-hmm. to the things that's involved in it but even apart from that you've still got the wages to pay for the next 4 or 5 years things like that I just, I've said umpteen times Paul it's no transfer fees It's I, we spend money we don't spend it wisely 
we should spend look spend more on wages. We should look to up our wage bracket, raise our an actual players going to cost and transfer fees. Because you can pick up a lot of players are cut for the transfer fee because of one of the wages the wage bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's earlier a new cement people and some people it's kinda of crazy money throwing the name. I would believe so, Mark, I would think. Like I, I would believe so. Like, you know what I mean? the reason I pull up that thing with Christie Suppose sixty eighty grand a week. I mean well there would would you take a missing a swap for Christie? Course. That's why that I put it up. That, that, that's, that's, that's why that's why I put it up. But can you see Southampton doing that? Like I I I couldn't. Like you know what I mean? Because there's some plans like kind of saying it. Like you know they might want them off their wage bill as well. You know. Yeah, but that's what I was just going. That's what I was going to say. They're looking at it. Well, we're paying this guy six to eight grand a week, and he's not going to get a game for us. We're not going to get much <coughs> much money for him. So if we can work that kind of deal, out, we'll maybe go for it. But I still don't think Southampton would be looking for crazy money for earlier. But going by that thing, would we're taking into account of the modern football now, Mark, would he be willing to take a massive pay cut to come to Celtic around the 20, you said 28, 29, Mark? Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think earlier now say on his game, he's showed flashes, and I think on his game in a good Celtic team, he would be an outstanding player for us. So mm-hmm. oh, why not give him, make him the other, give him, make him 35 grand a week, 40 grand a week, put him in the game mm-hmm. like he's ever paying Scott Sinclair. Exactly, push it out a, a bit like they're just, I mean, people they get these quality players back, you know what I mean? People say that will put other players' noses out to say joint and things like that, I don't believe that for a minute. Probably Barry would be, maybe be better talking about this, but well, Jink, Real, Jink, like Real Madrid players all went up Marvels when they signed Ronaldo and then Gareth Bale and were giving them 300 grand, 500 grand a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That comes into things like that and the dressing room as much as fans think it does. I think they were more about Gareth Bale's wages when they said they playing uh, golf and and they were playing a match. I think they were complaining then about his wage. We complain with that, but I don't think it would be actually over the wage. Why is he getting this in? No John, uh, so you've got a player on the park there and making you successful, you're not going to complain about what he's getting because he's bringing you trophies and success. Mm-hmm. John, and just, 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 just thinking there, like, uh, considering uh, Neil Lennon as well being, being, being one of the Celtic great players and, and stuff like that and Tommy Barnes and things. And there's always kind of a sour taste when when it doesn't go wrong, like you either feel sorry for because they're a legend, they gave their all to the club, or should Celtic be kind of staying away from ex-players becoming managers going forward, or if they're good enough for the job, give it to them, or that's good enough for the job, and they're uh, going to bring success, and I, but sometimes you've got to think, can I think out the box and can I go to different countries and stuff like that? But if a player's good enough for the Mark, are the boards really kind of more reluctant to sack that manager because of their legend status at the club being a player and stuff like that? Are they kind of more reluctant, like, as we saw, they were holding off the Invincible by sacking him all the time? Like, you know, and is that because of his history with the club, do you think, with Lenin? I think maybe that play a part on it. Just read it. I think that's even more down to the relationship between Lowell and Lennon. Mm-hmm. You kind of get that much extra time. Uh, big clubs don't 
to look at Chelsea with Frank Lampard. Big clubs don't mess about, and that's what Celtic's got to be in future. Mm-hmm. If Sanj comes in and, you know what I mean, there's a wee blimp for a couple of draws. If he comes in and draws two games in a row, people will be asking for him to get sacked. Do you know what I mean? That's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of crunch point as we were at with Lennon, and everybody could see that it wasn't going to get any better. I don't think any sentimentality should come into it. But should we kind of move away from that, Mark, that ex-players becoming managers or does it come down to their, their, their um, ability to do the job? Well, I think a lot of it comes into the actual fact that, that where we are as a club in Scotland, mm-hmm. we're coming out with all these big fancy foreign names and that. I feel like guys wouldn't entertain coming to Scotland to work unless they were getting crazy money. That's the only way they would get, they would think about taking a job at Celtic is if they crazy money, a lot of money to spend in transfer fees and things like that. But kind of uh, closing down your kind of group of who you can choose from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the time, I think if you've got, well, if you've got a kind of allegiance to the club, I think that's to put Celtic a kind of, do you know what I mean? They're, geez, they're looking at that to see what the best kind of person with a connection to Celtic's got. Mm-hmm. The idea. You know, I just get the feeling like that the Celtic board are kind of very slowly to react. Like, you know, a, a lot of people are saying that at the time when, when Tommy Bonds was, was sacked, that he was kind of treated unfairly, Mark, that he was sacked. At, what what's your take on going back to that that, that history of Tommy Bonds being sacked? Or? I think everybody was gutted he was sacked. But he won the league and Rangers were keen to work. Then, then, then again, Mark, it comes down to football. Then again, doesn't it? You, you know, as you said, like it shouldn't be no matter who you are, you know? And Vim came in and won the league, so you've got to say that Fergus made the right decision at the time. Mm-hmm. Whether you agreed with it or not, but. I mean, even if we're talking about the way fans are going to be positive, but I think the fans, because of them, Janssen replacing Tom Sons as well, I've got to fans with that kind of attitude as well. Who is the kind of a team? And, and look what Vin Jensen came in, John, and did then a Celtic, you know? Under Tommy Burns, they get rid of him and then bringing this guy in for that, with his dodgy pair him and that. It's a good job we're talking about strict liability after the show, Mark. I know, I know, that's <laughs> what I didn't want to say the word. And John, you 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 want to say something there? Does this does a new manager actually give it an injection into the club? And do you think Andre Purcell will bring that to Celtic, fresh ideas and and stuff like that? Ah, sometimes you've uh, you've got to change your manager and make things happen. She's so saying now uh, with Chelsea, that took you just went and won the Champions League, and the last time they won that Champions League as well, the same as that manager. Yeah, yeah. through the season, so it's just kind of. A different voice, just a different bit of energy, and maybe that energy it's already in is kind of causing a bit of upset, and you get that out, and you get a bit of new energy, and it just spurs the players to go in. But yeah. then again, though, John, like you're looking at Chelsea, like you don't want 
your chairman to be like that, like uh, a winless one of five games and you're gone straight away. Like, uh, did that Abramovich not get rid of him, or? No, but that's what I'm saying. It's Abramovich's owner. It's him that's... Oh, aye, aye. Abramovich's got a team of advisors. See, every football decision, these advisors advise him on it. There's one, he's a dead old, an old Dutch guy, Petra, mm-hmm. Petra, Petra Wieser or something he's called. Mm-hmm. He's got the authority of Abramovich to sign any player in the world. Doesn't much it costs. See if he... At a football game and he's a player that he's going to Chelsea he's got the, the authority to sign him there and then I vote Disney work we know Disney work like that but he's got authority to go and offer that player a move to Chelsea uh-huh. I mean Abramovich is, 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 is it micromanaging is that the word he doesn't, do, he doesn't look at all these wee things but he's constantly getting people doing it it was like when they'd feel a boss's manager and like can examine the full club and they came to the decision that Villa Bosi's training messages were outdated, and that's why Villa Bosi get the bullet. Jesus, and like Mark, would you like people like that at Celtic, like who who are just ruthless, like and sack you maybe after five bad results, you know, not giving you a chance to turn things wrong like the Celtic board now, or should there be some kind of but, a, a two-way? Between? I wouldn't have liked to. Go down that road, they fire a coach after five or six games, just bad, a bad run like that. But it's mm-hmm. the thing, Chelsea didn't fall apart when they get rid of their head coach. They went on and won the Champions League. Do you know That's what? That's it, like. We, we get rid of Neil Lennon, <coughs> the position we're in, and look at how the season ended. They brought in that to Shell and went on and won the Champions League because the full big massive engine of Chelsea was kept on running. While Lampard was there, then he left and went then for Tuchel. It was just the exact same, the exact same systems and yeah. It's just going to show John that the fans see things that the club should be paying more attention to when the fans are voicing their concerns about the team, shouldn't they? I definitely. The fans watch the, the team we can we could we watch them all our lives. So the fans can kind of see when there's a dip and kind of when the changing rooms and those and stuff like that. And uh, when a change is needed, but there's, there's things behind the scenes as well that we don't see. That obviously the board and stuff will see. And, uh, it's just also it's my, it's my opinions and that's just. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm going to move on from Tommy Bonds unless uh, any of you two guys have anything else to to say to him. Tommy Barnes, John? Oh, I had, uh, just, it's also nice to go and have a wee talk about him and kind of just what he meant to the club and stuff like that. And I really hope obviously the, the training ground getting named after him. I hope that's something that will be put forward in the mm-hmm. future and it can, it can get done. Because it's really, really a, a special touch for his memory. Because he gave everybody his life to this club and they loved this club just took all of it. And it'd be nice if that could happen for him. And obviously I hope it gets done. Mm-hmm. Mark? Oh, just echoing what... I forgot his name now. What John said. Mm-hmm. Oh, just echoing what John said there. I hope that the day. I mean, it's not going to take a big 
a big thing today to just rename the tra training ground, but it's something that is definitely going to look at some recognition for him. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to John for coming on sharing our tribute to Tommy Barnes, uh, a Celtic player and legend who will never ever be forgotten by the Celtic fans. Hale, hail, John, thanks again for coming hail. on the show. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you very much, George. See you later. Thanks. See you later. So, our next topic is uh, going to be about strict liability in Scottish football, and Michael and Jonas will be joining us to talk about this. This is a serious problem, and some might find this offensive, some might, so we might ask the live chat to pay respect to all views tonight and think before you post. Mark, you're going to bring on the lads out there, giant Michael's with us. That's Michael already. Evening, Michael. Michael, what's your as we're waiting for Jonas to come in there? Yeah, Jonas, Michael, I've no got Jonas on my thing. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Tommy Barnes, Michael? Um, I just remember uh, growing up um, and just listening to my dad go on about the guy and how he was liked around the. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Just, just, just liked in football in general. Even Jets. Jonas, how are you, bud? Welcome back. Uh, just before we move on to the, the strict uh, liability uh, topic, Jonas, uh, what's going on at Dundee at the moment with your manager situation and how are you progressing with us? Um, well, there was a statement from the board last week in light of the, the sort of backlash to the rumoured the appointment of courts and mm -hmm. the, the sporting directors. Um, so obviously, because I think what happened is they gave the social media reaction. And uh, so basically, they're interviewing candidates this week is what they said. And then there'll hopefully be an announcement in due course. But we can't afford to hang about too long because the season starts in earnest in July with the Betfred Cup. So we really need to be getting us collective fingers out and getting an announcement made so we can go on with it, you know? Not like Celtic and Way five months down the line and we're still no, no closer to naming the manager, you honest. <laughs> well, seeing football has been, I think, about two weeks and it feels like five months for us boys already. <laughs> and is there any kind of names floating around for yourselves, is there? 
Ach, there's just like the likes of John Hughes, Courts are still in the running. John Toshak's son, Cameron Toshak's apparently been interviewed and things like that as well. So there's a few names like eh? So I'll be interested to see. I think we're just at a point now we're wanting an appointment. We'll get behind the appointment and we'll, we'll move on, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, Michael, I'll start with yourself first. The, the, the fans' behaviour in Scottish football in the last few years uh, has come to a level that has now become acceptable. Uh, in George Greer, not so long ago, we saw shocking scenes. Is it time for clubs to get punished for their fans' behaviour uh, outside the stadium and not around the stadium? Uh, Mike? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard one, is it? Because, um, like you say, there's so many different views and opinions on it. But I believe, like you say, when you go away to a football match abroad or wherever it is and you're going to support your club, you're also, also representing... Representing your club, yes, yes. And um, like I said, I've been away with Celtic God knows how many times abroad and that as well. And I always feel like um, it's a privilege to be there and be as a part of the club. And just I, I, I just never see bother, but I personally believe that the club should be held accountable. Like I said, and after the actions in George Square and stuff, and especially after coming off a global pandemic, some of the scenes that mm-hmm. like, witnessed on social media and stuff. I was absolutely disgusted. But it just goes to show you the mentality of see, I, like, the of the I see I don't think it could have got any trouble for over the hanging George Square. That's mm. what my take on strict liability is that it's in an in a, inside the stadium or around the stadium. You mean the Rangers fans stabbed the was it Slavia Prague fans? And they couldn't, nothing could get done about it. Well, obviously, the poor, but UEFA couldn't deal with that because it was away from the stadium. I think people think that this strict liability means if you're sitting up at a park with a carry, the police come, Celtic are going to get any trouble for it if you've got a Celtic top on. It's not, it's not like that. It's, it's basically just following the rules like with Dave and UEFA. We were playing a UEFA competition. Right. I mean, well, the Celtic already it's already strict liability if you look at the, just the fines that Celtic have had from UEFA in the last well that's exactly two, three years. I mean and people going about oh we, they'll end up shutting one of their stands and that UEFA's not going to shut a stand for people waving flags to get it's no, they're not waving pure offensive offensive flags and letting off flares because that's been going on in Europe for years it's just going to be wee poultry slaps in the wrist because they've broke the rules but when it comes to serious stuff like racism and violence and things like that, then UEFA step in. They've done with Rangers, they've done it in Italy. Yeah, but considering that, say, if if said Gold Rangers were playing in Europe and uh, in George Square, there was a group of fans gathering, we say, from Slavic Prague, as you mentioned, when they were playing Celtic, and the fight broke out in match day in George Square between Celtic fans and, and South Africa, should Celtic then be, be punished, no, considering it's away no, from the stadium? No. You know, would that stop the violence, you think, or would the violence continue, or...? But that's just, that's, no, I don't think the club should get, and if that's what I'm talking about, people think that just because you've got a Celtic top on and break a crime, whatever, however petty or how serious it is, that the club's going to get any trouble for it, it's no, it doesn't work like that. Whether it's George Square or whether it's in Aberdeen or Dundee or Belfast City Centre, it's not, the club's, the club's not there to control that. 
But what about scenes then, like we say, when Celtic are going to Ibrooks and it's, it's, it's the similar thing here with stuff thrown at the, the the club bus and stuff like that? Should the clubs be punished? Then? Yeah, uh huh. That because that's happening in their stadium imprint, their stadium footprint, whatever it is you call it, where they see where the clubs providing stewards and security. It's taking it's that to me that's the kind of. You know, I mean, where the police and the, the security and the uh, stewards and all that are, it's in they kind of places. If the club don't deal with it, then UEFA are the authorities will. But why isn't it not kind of ever been brought into the Scottish football? Or, I, I know there's been talk over the years that I'm supposed to come in, but why hasn't it really kind of been coming in, Mark? To be honest, I don't know. And I, what I've seen Celtic on the two keen on it either. I, Mm-hmm. I really, I honestly don't know. That's because mm-hmm. it could be a good thing for the fans in the long run because it would clean up the game in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to just go yourself, like with, with with the Dundee derby uh, back next season. I know you have respect between your 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 two sets of fans. There's a mutual respect there, but is it is it travelling fans that kind of cause the most trouble around uh, the, the stadiums in Dundee? Like I say, I mean, just before I just go into that, just to touch on something that you guys were saying as well, like the flags thing, I mean, like Michael was at a United Rangers game with me and like had a flag and it was not offensive or anything and then he was sort of getting a bit of pressure from the stewards and stuff like that, despite there being hundreds of derogatory banners dotted about the stadium. So it's mm-hmm. a bit like, well, how do you police it? But like, like what Mark was going back to as well, like strict liability is a really difficult issue because what do you, like... Where does like you know the the like the boundary sort of begin and end? You know what I mean? It's like it's just I think it's too difficult to sort of sort of police unless it's within the confines of the stadium because then if someone's causing a riot fifteen miles away from the game in a pub or something, then does the club get fined for someone else? You know what I mean? How do you police where and when you start and stop it? You know? To to, to me myself, like. Uh... Be, being an Irishman, um, I find uh, the Union Jack uh, flag very expe- uh, offensive. I won't buy a pair of Reeboks because they have the Union Jack on it. I, I just won't do that. But that's a, to me, that's enough an offensive flag. And the St. George flag is an offensive mark. Would you agree with that? And and they're left play down around Ibrox. Well, the thing about that is, the Celtic get fined for wearing the Palestinian flag. Mm-hmm. Exactly. To me, it's another country's flag. Hey, I, I'm not going to talk about Union Jack now, but it's still a country's flag. If, to get, I mean, it's not just a flag with Chelsea, but we'll get in there with a swastikas and stuff like that, but I don't think you can find somebody to pull them up or fly in a country's flag. I really don't. It's just, that, to me, that's just petty. So there was a big deal when the, the, the Green Brigade Michael paraded the, the Palestinian flag there when they were doing the tributes to the Scott Brown when they put up the Palestine, like Celtic Football Club took them back down, but there was there was uproar about that. Was it right to be uproar or should it just have been about Scott Brown tribute that day? Yeah, well, like you say, it's just, I think what, what annoys me about the strict liability in this country is that it seems to get picking and chosen just at people's will. And going back mm-hmm. on what Jonas says regarding about that time at Tanadice, the, the flag that I had was in, in my dad's dad's from Dublin in Ireland, so that's where my Irish roots come from. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an, I always carry this Ireland flag in my back pocket for special occasions, and it's got a nice, <laughs> it's got, it's got, it's got a harp on it, so nothing derogatory at all. So it's just a tricolour with a harp. 
And I had that out at Tannendice was because I take it to every match with anyway, but I was especially t- taking that day for obvious reasons. And you, see, you can imagine the flags dotted around the way in Tannendice that day. But it was myself that I got told if I don't put the flag away, I'm getting basically getting removed from the stadium. Even though there was nothing derogatory or anything on the flag whatsoever. And Sean Dillon and a few other Republic of Ireland guys were playing for for Dundee United that day. So it wasn't like it was took out of context either, know what I mean? See, the thing is there with that, what I think is that before we had the tricolour, the, our national flag, when we were basically a free estate, the, the harp was our symbol as a free estate and it's associated with the IRA, the, the harp, like, so I, I'm thinking... Why you picked on because of the harp, but then again, you still had the tricolour on, it was focusing on the tricolour, not, not the harp, Michael, you know, the flag. Yeah, like you know? I was just absolutely disgusted, like you say, because, like, like you say, Irish is my, my background there. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually left the stadium at half time because the fact that I got told to put the flag away or I was getting ejected, that was enough for me anyway, because I'm not always going to get. Um, Talked down to like that anyway. Not when the, the, there were certain flags dotted around that stadium that were disgusting and more offensive than. I mean, how how could a tricolour be offensive with no writing on it? Nothing. Let's go back to what America saying like, how was the Palestinian flag? It's like it's another country's flag. You're supporting, you're supporting their rights. You know, like people are getting. Are bringing too many politics into into football. Michael just going. Trying to ban flags, aren't they? Yeah, well, like you say, Celtica, like you say, everybody knows Celtic's background. Mm-hmm. The whole Irish connection and that. And that'll never, ever, ever leave me, no matter no. what anybody says. And mm-hmm. no police or whatever it was. I, I could say that whole situation was just a, a disgrace, but because a few Rangers supporters were getting irate at a flag. Yeah, just going by the anti Irish, like there's the anti Irish is, is a, a huge issue in, in Scottish football. Uh, our former manager and player, Neil Lennon, had his fair share of abuse uh, as a player and as a manager at, at various clubs around Celtic. Uh, banning anti-sectarian songs at games isn't enough because they're still uh, one of our rivals that still parade around singing these songs at stadiums, Mark. So, like, there seems to be one rule for one club and another rule for another club is, is kind of what I'm looking at from the outside, isn't it? You know, in Scotland, they use this word sectarianism, and mm-hmm. I've never heard it in any other country in the world use it. And all it is is a Scottish word to cover up for racism. Mm-hmm. Sectarianism, it's no, it's anti Catholic bigotry, it's anti Irish racism, it's anti Muslim racism. There's no, do you get what I mean? There's, there's no, they're just trying, it's like a wee sweet word that nobody's actually 100% sure what it means, but we'll just call it that. And it lets. Mm-hmm. Use the old argument that both sides are as bad as each other. Bring in strict liability. We'll change to you how bad both sides as bad as each other. Do you get what I mean? Because Celtic don't sing songs of it stands shut down and that. I mean, you don't hear like songs that used to get sung at Celtic Park. The days are long gone now. The fact the odd ones that away games will sneak in or things like that. And maybe if you can tell if it's like a bite or like. Christmas, see if it's a way day, Boxing Day, everybody's obviously a bit too much to drink. The odd one sneaks in there and things like that. But Celtic's no get that kind of problem and stands it anymore. No, but it's ongoing in in another stadium, and, and no punishment seems to be taken against them, Max. But doesn't you know? No, still think. 
I'm saying, but look at them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're stand shut in Europe for the songs. Yeah, it's like, so like... Celtic, is it, they laugh because of the amount of fines we've had. No, we've had fines for flags and banners and pyro and stuff like that. They've had stand shut down because of their behaviour. And should it, like... She wants to come to you on this, like, should should the Scottish FNL start banning, like, punishing the, the clubs for, for for these songs and stuff like that? Is it about time, like, because there seems to be one rule for one club and a different, different rule for the other clubs? Well, I think if they were going to go down a punishment route, then the only sort of substantial punishment that would deter anybody is to start throwing points deductions in then, because then, as soon, once the, as soon as the performance is on the parts that aren't getting affected, mm-hmm. then... That would soon put an end to it because there'd be uproar from the ninety percent of the like the, the the fans that are this there to watch the football. And two, could you imagine how how the players would feel after maybe knocking your fan? Exactly, that's going to make the, the the club then react. Like it's going to make the club react then to the fans. Lads, you need to start doing this. You, you got points deducted, kind of thing. Into this exactly because you imagine being at a, an away game at a tough ground like Aberdeen or Dens or wherever you are or Tannis or something like you know scoring in the last few minutes to win the game and all that to be null and void because of some dafties in the stand coming mm-hmm. out of nonsense you know what I mean you, the players would be absolutely incandescent and they'd be right to be angry you know you would like to think that the decent fans would start self-policing mm. I've seen a lot of that I've seen a lot of Celtic fans getting a bit of their face at games over the years we've seen they've said things that are out of order other fans have pulled them up about it and I think but I think she's but Jonas is saying he's bang on, it would be a great deterrent of the points deduction. But see, even if the police would get us just start arresting people, see if there's 10,000 people singing this song, whatever, they get and arrest 20 of them. It's still sending a message that you're no, we're chipping away at this and eventually you're not going to sing it in case you're one of the 20 that get arrested. Mm-hmm. What about yourselves, Mark? Have you ever witnessed any this kind of start towards yourself in games? Not, not just at games, I've had it all my life where I grew up mm-hmm. balls just and it's a sad thing to say but it's just part of life in, in Scotland in the Western Just because of the club that you support? Aye, because of club I support, because of the school I went to, because of the chapel I go to it's just, you grow up being kind of, being kind of not immune to it, but you're, it's just how you grew up being used to it, it's just part of your, your life mm-hmm. Like yourself? I've been discriminated against as much as last summer. Um, I'm uh, very fond of, from when I was younger, I've got hundreds of tattoos from my hands right up to my neck. To, obviously, that I've had a shirt and tie on, you probably wouldn't really notice that I had any. And um, even like when I go and play golf and stuff at certain golf courses, there's guys reporting me and saying that um, I should be covering up. And... Um, that should be banned, like people like myself on the golf course, because of the way that I look and stuff. Well, like a bald head and tattoos and stuff. And it's just stuff like that. Like it says in this day and age, it's just it's just disgusting that people are so getting discriminated because of colour or just the way that they look. But um, yeah, I've, I've, I've witnessed it as like it says all my life. But as I like say, it's got clubs have got to be targeting. Like what Mark says, as long as it's happening in the grounds and stuff, the time for clubs to start to be getting held to accounted for people's actions. Mm-hmm. And yourself, to be honest, any experiences in Scottish football? Yeah, I've had a few incidents, of, like obviously, because of like, my colour and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I've had it, um, 
And the worst thing is that, you know, the authorities and the police and everything say, you know, we'll act and we'll do this and stuff. And a a Betfred Cup game start of the 2019 season racially abused and I reported it to the stewards the police three witnesses and I just got told to get back to my seat and it was a case of if you, if, uh, you've had a drink and stuff like that you might not have seen what you think you've seen I says mate listen I don't care like the, the three boys are, they've got three boys saying and then the police were like oh well right, get back to your seat basically and, and I was eventually got to the point where I got a bit irate with them and says look you mentioned that one more time and you'll be going out so I just left it because I was like uh, the hypocrisy is absolutely un- unbelievable that's it like if the authorities aren't going to react it's never going to change your honour so it's not but it's, it's the hypocrisy that annoys yeah. me because they, they get the players to stand there with like the show yeah, exactly. the red card and the police exactly. say that they'll do this that and the next thing but realistically the boys probably just couldn't be bothered because it would involve them actually having to do some working or whatever or some paperwork or whatever like that and it just got brushed aside so that, I just don't hit you honest, that's what I was that's what I was going to say about the police getting in and just arresting people it's as if they just can't be bothered about about lifting a finger to help people I think and the thing is as well because it was home we were the away fans it doesn't matter what city you go to, you're always slightly looked down on as the away team. So that as an away support, you're always held to a higher standard at any away ground. You know what I mean? Because you're in a different city and the police tend to be, whether they mean it or not, there's a subconscious bias towards the home side supporters. You know what I mean? So I just think that that's, that's sort of something that's ingrained into it as well. And like I say, I'm at the point now where I don't even bother reporting it because nothing gets done about it. So if someone says something, I'll just... I don't even rise to it nowadays unless it gets unless I have to defend myself, you know. See, that's it. Like you want to say, they, they want you to kind of rise to it and react, and then it comes out then that that it's, it's like your fault then, isn't this? You know, you're made out to be the bad one then for reacting or, or getting the, that in the fight, like then, isn't this? I'm surprised the police didn't see oh, come on, it's, it's just banter, mate. You know what it's like, or something like that. I can't even remember what they said. They gave me some cock and bull story about the fact that because. You'd got the early train through, and you'd had a few drinks. You probably didn't see what you think you've seen, and can that nonsense and stuff like that. But I'm just like, okay, I might have like, like, like yeah, I'm not denying that I've had a drink, but I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, you've seen or heard in that. That's you know what I mean? Disgusting. That so it is, Jonas. Especially like because around then, like there was a big stand too long uh, racism in football. Like UEFA were getting wrong, the FIFA were getting wrong, it like and. The players are getting wrong, it's like, and then you see the stewards and the police dead not bothering it. Like, it's never going to change. Like, it's know? just a, it's just a, see all this like taking the knee and like these anti-racism slogans that Sky Sports have got plastered all over. It's just mm-hmm. a corporate box ticking exercise for Sky so that they can say that they're they're seen to be standing up for anything. Like, eh, there's actually no tangible action. Like, eh, and it's the same even on social media. Like, I've lost Twitter followers. Like, boys have interacted with me on the loads of tweets, and if I tweet something about racism, they'll either be silent or then I'll lose a handful of followers when I tweet about it and stuff. But to me, that just shows, well, that's fine. If I've lost a few followers, then it's weeded out a few more bad people, you know? So I don't look at it as a loss, eh? And you're, what's your take on taking to me? Is it making a difference? Because younger people now are more on social media and they see their, their favourite footballers standing up taking to me. Is it making a difference to, to taking to me? I think it probably has to a certain extent, but the message has been lost, Lynn. I think it's just a corporate sort of... Mm-hmm. exercise where they can say oh yeah Sky or BT can say oh well we did that or we slapped half of is that why you're kind of seeing the likes of Saha and a few players refusing to take the knee now because yeah, of that yeah but the, the, the fault lies with the actual social media companies yes because the thing is I could go and set up 
10 fake accounts under 10 fake email addresses and go into the private messages of whatever player I wanted and start posting monkey emojis or whatever emojis or like if it was a religious thing going to whoever's group and target them there needs to be a photograph ID and like some sort of accountability held to these people because it's too easy now like yeah and it'll never change like like it make you think like who's kind of reviewing all these posts that are being put up like because nothing is being changed Michael on the on the social media side of it because they're not you know? reviewing them Paul that's the mm-hmm. problem that's what Jonas is saying they're not reviewing yeah. them Jonas says they can go and see anything they want the player is whether they're black Irish Catholic look at James McLean the grief he gets and things like that and if they play day trace they get a wee rap in the knuckles and otherwise, they just delete an account, the account will get banned, and then they'll just open another one and continue doing the same thing. Mike, mm-hmm. well, yourself being a being a, a close friend of Jonas, I think you said nearly twenty years or so, is it fifteen, twenty years? You know, what's your take on on the abuse that he he he's received and and your your reaction to it? Well, I've um, witnessed it three times in football terms, but I've also witnessed that. Hundreds of times on just nights out alone. Eh? Jesus. Um, it's not something that sits well with me, obviously. And I'm not going to many stories, but yeah, a few times where chairs have been not used as chairs and everything and that in certain situations and that. And like I say, it's just one of the things, even in, in the present day, that just gets so far swept under the carpet and blind died. It's unbelievable. And like, I, I'm just sick of like say you see it on the Sky Sports and BT Sports about this taking a knee and all their fancy slogans and banners and that. But they're not doing anything. Anybody can make a banner up there. And like you see it all on social media and stuff. And like Marcus Ross the other night got seventy odd messages and everything with monkey emojis and the, it was from like guys that were teachers and stuff and that. And all they do is get a banner on social media until like actual like sentences and start, stuff start getting handed out, that's when it'll start to actually maybe rest at home with some people. Mm-hmm. Well, team that sits like me and that it grew my more respect him. Like, I always had respect and I always loved him as a player was uh, was Scott Brown uh, before the, the Rangers-Celtic match when he went up to Glen Camera when he was racially abused in the pitch and he went up and showed... Phil Dodge with the, with the player himself, you know, that was a, a good gesture from from Scott. Like people always think of him as this hardball and being ignorant, uh, being the Celtic player and stuff like that. But he showed his professionalism that he was standing by the player, putting the right lead between be, between the situation. Yeah, well, exactly. And the thing is, as well, like there is some things that are greater than because if the shoe was on the other foot, mm-hmm. then I, I would imagine that like you would like to see the same thing, like yeah, exactly. And it doesn't like regardless of what people's and what really annoyed me was people were like, "Oh, it's just a publicity stunt from Scott Brown." It just showed that the cameras could follow him and say that he'd done this. Like, he Scott Brown has a handful of like black teammates and teammates from other like mm-hmm. groups in Celtic, and we're not just talking about black. We're talking about like Scandinavian, like loads of people from foreign countries. You know what I mean? So, like, it's, I think what what annoys me more about this this kind of thing is as well, whether it's for fans or players. Whenever you see a player or a supporter racially abusing someone, they've probably got half a dozen ethnic minorities in their own team. And you're sitting there going, you're, you probably chant the name of your favourite striker that's maybe black or might be Asian or a Catholic or, or whatever. 
But then you're basically abusing someone on the other side for exactly. It's like the hypocrisy of the situation is absolutely incomprehensible. I've I've seen it here firsthand uh, with with, with my my own wife uh, being from Poland. I call many times. She was told go back home, uh, back back to Poland, and not not being here. Like I I've seen it. I can. I'm the type of person you you is like I'd love to react, and nine times out of ten I, I would react only for. For her being there, I, I, I just wouldn't react because I wouldn't want her to see me get in, in the fight. Like, you know, but it seems to be kind of every foreign person you know, in the country, if they're not from that country, is getting abused, doesn't this? You know? Mark? Well, it just seems to be somebody just saying in the live chat when you're a racist minister, when you look at the people that are running the country, it doesn't help. And a lot of stones for that, and a lot of this new, like, the new kind of right-wing things, you know, that all came about after the independence referendum and after Brexit. So I think a lot of it is down to politics and the way that was Jonas and Mikey's going on about social media. I think even the way politics is portrayed on social media and that, makes politics a bit of a laugh and a joke. I mean, we were brought up that prime ministers wouldn't, Right, although you didn't like Tories, etc., you didn't like Labour, but I mean, your MPs and your Prime Ministers and that, they were all kind of better to do people. And then you've got some of these folk, and you're, how did these people reach that stage in life that they're running countries? Mm, is, that, is, is, is it more, is it political as well, you honest, yeah? From, from the likes of the, the, the politicians in Scotland, that they're not acting more as well as they should be, and they're more the, the right wing as well? Well, I mean, you only need to look back at that episode in Glasgow when that Preeti Patel, mm-hmm. who, I mean, you wouldn't touch her brass neck with a Botox, considering <laughs> her, parents, her, her parents were immigrants into this country, you know? Jesus and then she, she's trying to deport two lads that have lived in Scotland for 10 years, both honest working lads. And then what she's trying to do is throw them in the back of a police van and, and whisk them onto an airport and dump them in. And like you know, a terrible situation. Well, yes, after no, her... I know Joanna, but I saw that actually was uh, one of your tweets. Yes, I saw. Is that the foreign minister? Is this? Yeah, well, like yeah, yeah. from England, but like she, yeah. because we're obviously still government Westminster. I've got yeah. like the sort of overruling word. Then the problem is that kind of thing's happening. So all that does like is stirs up that that side of the people, that debased sort of part of society that buy into this into this sort of ideology, like, and if if they're trying to execute things like that, then it just stirs up hatred, you know what I mean? And that's the problem, eh? There needs to be, it needs to come right from the top, like, and there's, it's starting to fester deep within society due to the, the people that are leading the country. Well, like, because I don't even live in, live in Scotland, you know, like, I don't, I don't see this firsthand. I just go by the media and, and the tweets and stuff like that. But, is there a new toggery uh, growing up now in, in, in Scotland, like I see it here, like I've seen it, the, the next generation, like, a, and basically what you see, like, is unbelievable. Like, like I would go, no, do, do, won't do half the things that they do. Like, is that the same Scotland as a new toggery growing up in Scotland? No, nah, well, see, to be fair, like, I'm fortunate in the sense that, like, Scotland still has, I would still say the majority of people are good in Scotland, and I get, you know, treated pretty well by most people. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, me and Michael have had to deal with incidents in our time but it's from ignorant sort of people like you know what I mean the sort of people that put it this way it's the sort of people you would expect it from you know what I mean just going to say that you kind of expect it for certain people don't you 
Yeah, the demographics that's came mm-hmm. about at that sort of stuff, Mark, like you say, it's not been a shock, let's put it that way. If you were to see the people, you wouldn't be surprised they were coming away with it, you know? I think the mm-hmm. problem as well with racism in this country is, and I think you want to build this as well, and back 15 years ago, a lot of it was face-to-face. Like, just, just total ignorance of some people. Exactly. But since social media has became more prominent in people's lives, People can sit behind their screens and out class and be like, a brave person. Then you can't just like just like keyboard gangsters, warriors, yeah. whatever you want to call them, and act tough behind a screen because they think they can get away with. It. And like uh, I've said earlier, and I'll reiterate again, until serious actions taken against people, like I've I've signed numerous campaigns now. Like I believe that if you've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media site, there needs to be some form of identification to prove that you're using the site and then that means that if anything falls back on you then it's on it's like there's there's a legal term a legal document that supports mm-hmm. your account photographic id address so then the police can get involved and i'd like to see how many people actually like how the numbers would drop when you've got your passport provisional driving license whatever it is actually on your account ready to be used if you actually go against terms of service Mm-hmm. And like yourself and you're honest, like you, as you said, oh, you, you travelled a lot. You, you, you followed the Bundesliga. Uh, you go to London, Italy, Michael. Is there punishment for clubs over there? Italy's another seems to be another country that has a, a, a lot of violence and a, and a lot of racism in, in, in football as well, doesn't it? Well, you honest, I'll tell you as well. Like we've been to Italy loads of times, see mm-hmm. and I can't. I never, never in my time. Ever, I'm going across there, and that's been ten years now. I've never witnessed racism, and I know in the odd lower league match you've seen like the big blow up regarding a chance or something from the crowd. That happens all the time in England, but it's mm-hmm. no blow up. It's no blow up so much because it's in England. Mm-hmm. No, I mean like it says Italy and like certain clubs in Spain and stuff seem to get a bad rep regarding that. It's, I'm not saying it makes it okay. That's like. Uh, but it's not. But it's not as constant as it's made. No, we we, are, no, no. we see that like when you, as as we see, spoke about earlier, UFO hammer Rangers the same as they'll hammer uh, they'll hammer Lazio. So we think that Lazio are just what we see when they get that get these charities. We think Lazio are like that every week. Well, I mean, like it seems to uh, just it's more like an opposition player for abroad kind of target. It doesn't mean. Not just because he's black, but I'm saying it's like merely European competition oppositions they seem to target when it comes to these kind of things. No, it's like, domestic. Does that we um yeah? Well, that's what I mean. Obviously, we've been going to Serie A now for well over ten years now, and we all, we love the league. But we were me and Jonas were well up to date with regarding Lazio and the mm-hmm. fans before they even arrived in Glasgow. And, like the fact that they were able to march through Glasgow singing what they were singing and doing the actions that they were doing with their hands mm-hmm. they still got away with it right through the middle of Glasgow the police just let it happen know what I mean Jesus Dalian police would have let any other country fans come in and do something like that they'd be able to do a batting straight away oh that's what I mean like says when um, across when Celtic played Lazio last not last year, the year before, when Cham scored in the 90th minute. The Lazio fans are, were going around on mopeds, 
with Starney knife blade attached to long sticks. Stabbing folk in the bum. Stabbing people on motorpeds. And then the police came. The police done that for years or Natalie. And the police came out in force, and um, all you seen was the Italian police with batons just setting in about them up. Like you know, that's what I mean. They didn't take any prisoners over there. The police like, eh. but it just seems to be in this country that there's just that. Like I said it earlier, there's that many blind eyes shown. It's it just disgraceful. But you know, is, is 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 there a punishment for the clubs of in of in Italy for this kind of behaviour? Do the clubs get punished or? Well. After a few like sort of high profile incidents, mm-hmm. they drew up a bill this I think it was last year to crack down on it and stuff like that. And that it's obviously got a lot better and stuff like that. But and again, I think what people need to realise as well, it's it's an education thing as mm-hmm. well. Like nobody nobody in their life is born like see when you're no. born, you're not a racist. Exactly. <laughs> Do with the upbringing as well, isn't it, honest? You're indoctrinated into it, right? And then some people realise their mistakes and come back round and things like that because they've maybe been dragged up or in an area where it's right so if it's like they've got no choice you know they've no chance they're dragged into it right from the word go but um, no I'd, like I say it's uh, it's certainly improving anyway I can assure you that compared to what it, what it was like maybe 15-20 years ago is it, it's, it's improving is it it's, it's... The, the thing is, right, it was probably worse back then, but because of social media, like, not being around back then, it wasn't so easy for people to get their points across. It just mm-hmm. seems like it's more prevalent now because you can hide behind whatever fake account and spew your... Yeah, you but there seems to be more kind of people standing up now against it now as well, you're honest, doesn't there? Yeah, there's you a lot of, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of good people that are condemning it as well. Like I say, we're quick enough to talk about the people that we don't give enough credit to the people that are standing up against it as well. Exactly. Mark, it's terrible that what Jonas is saying there about it's good to see the amount of people that are standing up for it. But see when mm-hmm. these folk on social media are standing up against racism and things like that, see when you look through some of the answers, it makes you wonder if it actually gets through people's minds when they're sitting there. That's it, like, it is, but actually, you can see the hatred just, in their post, like, can't you? you can, when, when, when you read it, like, you can see the hatred, Michael, when, when, when they're posting stuff, like, you know? Mike, you there? Sorry, I keep switching off my, my thing in the team because my bulldog is having, like, a snoring fit just now beside us, so, um, uh, yeah, like I say, I, I took a conscious decision eight, eight, nine years ago now to just stay away from social media. Um, mm-hmm. I've said it on the podcast in the past, I don't do any form of social media whatsoever other than have a YouTube account for this and have an account on the forum. Yeah, we'd be the same, myself and Mark. Like, we just have a Twitter account for just just, just for the, that we have for the, the podcast. And I've tried that's the only social media we A couple of times. It's just no for me. I just don't enjoy Twitter at all. I certainly found since I took. Jonas is fairly vocal on Twitter with his uh, with his tweets, especially on Saturday night. Jonas, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, you'll probably find out on Saturday because we've actually got a night out planned on Saturday. <laughs> so God knows what will end up on that night. But um, uh, yeah, like I said, I've I've noticed since I took the decision to leave social media eight years ago that my life is one hundred percent happier. I just found when I went on certain social media websites, I came off in a mood or something that annoyed it or I'd read something that was just... I mean, I'm glad, like I said. I get, I get classed as weird now. 
because I've not got any social media. Oh, I, the same, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I get asked, oh, have you got Facebook or Twitter? And they're like, no, and like, what? It's like you're, like you're the outcast because you've not got social media, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was the same. I, I, I was asked, uh, are you on Facebook? And I check up and put it on Facebook. What? Jesus, I mean, can, any People can go and search me all they want. They'll not find anything like that. You know, probably just for the best. <laughs> Jonas, have you been attacked? I don't smoke. Jonas, have you ever <laughs> been attacked on, uh, on Twitter yourself? Have you ever? No, I, yeah. Well, I had, I had a ding-dong with some racist about something, like, and the boy was just like, he, like, he was just hitting me with absolute nonsense, being like, oh, like, some of the comments. And then I said something, I, I think I got a wee bit, I think I, I called him something, I can't remember what it was, and I got a 12-hour ban. And, and I was like, I've just been banned for, and a few of my pals got weighed, and I think we all had to serve banned there. Eh? And you're sitting there going, the problem is it makes these companies money the more people that subscribe to it and that. So they're, they're, they'll just selectively delete what they seem appropriate, you know what I mean? There's, they don't care about anything other than other than I mean, the money. So. See, even doing the forum, some of the posts I've had on that forum over the years are shocking. I've had folk posting in that they were going to find my mum my and my wife and rape them. My wee niece, they were going to murder my wee niece and rape her and all that. Guys, the football forum. I know, it's disgraceful. There's water off a duck's back to me, you know what I mean, really? Because they, well, folk know me too, but back when I first started editing on the forum and that, nobody did a clue I was. It's just mm. a day mm-hmm. arseholes ranting and raving. Look what they mm. do on Twitter now. Mm. Uh, that's, look, we're going to move on for that, thanks to Jonas and, and Michael for their opinions and that, and thanks to Max for his opinions and that. Uh, it's good to hear what Jonas says, that people are standing up against this, and, and from my own opinion, it's a long, long may continue. Uh, seeing as there's very little happening at Celtic tomorrow, we, we decided to talk about the upcoming Euros, and we, we'll talk about the, the Celtics players involved. And I was actually shocked to see that the only Celtic players involved are playing for Celtic for for Scotland. So we have Jack Henry, who was on loan at the moment, but he's still currently a Celtic player. Uh, we've Craig Taylor, Ryan Christie, David Tonnell, Callum McGregor, and Jamie Forrest. Uh, Jonas, been an outside, uh, and I watched you last night, uh, Scotland, uh, I'll always keep an eye on the Scottish football, and because of the Celtic links with, with, with Scotland, I, I watch a lot of Scotland. With Lyndon Dykes up forward? Lyndon Dykes, yeah. Lyndon Dykes. I don't think you're going to score a lot of goals. And I was thinking, is it actually a mistake not to bring Lee Griffiths with you because he's a finisher? I think Lyndon Dykes is um, going to be back up. I think, I think it's going to be the boy Shea Adams that'll be mm-hmm. the striker because yeah. he's got a bit of pace in behind. Dykes gives you an option if you're needing a goal ball. in the last yeah. 10 minutes and you want to bring him on. crosses into the box. But he's not got the mobility to be... The way we're going to be playing is we're probably going to be under the cosh for fair bits of a lot of the games. Mm-hmm. Or not, maybe not under the cosh, but we're going to be set up to sort of absorb and then counter-attack. Or then if we are under the cosh, then Adams gives you the option to go over the top. So, I think... Lightning's going to play that would hold up the bar and play off another striker, isn't he? You know, that yeah. would kind of suit. He's not a, a striker not like a lone striker. Would play a striker, like, you know? No. And just to go back to what you asked me about the Griffiths situation, I just think Griffiths is obviously... I don't think he he done enough in his club mm-hmm. season to to merit. There was questions over. I know he suffered with mental health and that, and you can't underestimate the impact that that has on people. So I'm certainly not using that as 
holding that against him. But like you say, there was questions over his attitude, his fitness, his professionalism. It's a football like decision, that. really, that it came down yeah. to, to be honest. You know, yeah. That's, yeah. That's... He just hadn't played enough football, eh? and that's, that's as simple as that, I think. That's what it came down to. Uh, Michael Gord, yourself, the, the performance of uh, David Thornburg last night was, was, was very impressive, wasn't it? Again, just showing why he should have been picked in the first place. He's kind of mm-hmm. been put in the squad on the basis of injuries to other players. Mm-hmm. Um, he should have been selected anyway. The young player of the year in Scotland is his best player by miles this season, and he wasn't actually in the official squad at the start. Absolutely ridiculous. But again, he proved against Holland why he should be in the squad. Did you hear the 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 the, the Sky commentary the match last night when this the, they mentioned that David Ton was a was a Scotland's young player of the year, and when the commentators talked right over which fan it was said. To be honest, he wasn't up against much, was he? Did you hear that? That's just the boyish thought was there about Sky Sports. And it's even into international football as well. In this... If I'm being honest, I actually, when Sky Sports, I actually don't listen, Jonas is the same. Whenever we watch any football that's related to Sky Sports, we actually don't listen to the commentary. We actually put on something else in the background, whether it's BBC Sports Scotland or, or something, because I actually can't listen to anything to do with yeah. Sky Sports at all. Yeah. Josh, um, I I noticed there as well um, last night. Mark didn't watch the match, so I can't ask Mark. But I go to Jonas, and uh, this year we've been constantly talking about Callum McGregor's um, performance for of Celtic. The season hasn't been up to scratch. But I when I watched him last night, and he had more freedom, and he was more on the ball when Scott Brown wasn't next to him. Do you think that was maybe affecting his play this season, that he was mostly kind of watching over Scott Brown, that Scott Brown wasn't up for it, considering what I saw last night, and he had more freedom? You well, honest? That, that, um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, he sort of suits playing in a system where he has a bit more, like, sort of licence to, yes. to, to, to roam and stuff like that. I mean, you guys will know more than me when it comes to, because I, I didn't see, like, obviously, that much of him, so I don't know how, how like, his club form was impacted, but certainly when he played against Serbia in the playoff and that, he's always been steady enough for Scotland and that. Like, he doesn't do anything that spectacular, but what he does do is he doesn't give the ball away and he keeps it ticking over and stuff like that. And, He's com- he's comfortable, is he? You know what I mean. So I don't mm-hmm. think he's um he's ever let the country down, in my opinion. Anyway, mm-hmm. Michael, what's your take on that? Did you see that last night that when Scarborough's not around him, he has more freedom and stuff like that? Yeah, but we've been reiterating that all season. Mhm. Mhm. So I mean, he says he's he's a different player when he's not got him behind him because he's no carrying the weight of two players, is he? Mhm. Um, I just like I, again. I, I, I've been saying it for a wee while now and I look at Scotland as a team and I've never been so confident in a Scotland team getting out of the grips in this Euros. It's, play a, it's, a, it's a tough group like you have. Like, group, but like you say, it's England. And, uh, and, uh, I am, yeah. Or, no, I, I, I wasn't sure if you said you were or you weren't. No, I'm, I, I'm very confident that Scotland will get out of the grips. Like you say, they've got Croatia, England and Czech Republic. But they'll all drop points against each other. And I still fancy Scotland to get... There's something about Scotland being England down there. I mean, Jonas will be down there anyway, but... But you can do now. Yeah. And um, we're... Um, I'm just... Uh, Jonas will say as well, we're, we're really confident eh, that we'll beat them down there. Eh? We'll beat Czech Republic and we'll get a draw against Croatia. 
chances against England, Jonas? Well, I mean... Like, only scraping I watched... Vince Reid. I watched them last night. They only kind of, there, was, there was nothing great I saw about them. You know? I was speaking to, I was speaking to a lad that comes in I work who's an English an English lad. And he was saying that he says the flatters to deceive. They can play nice football against certain teams, but when it comes to the crunch they're no what they're hyped up to be. And the thing is, I didn't realise that because the Euros have been extended to twenty four teams, yeah, I can actually still qualify as a third place team as well. So mm-hmm. there's there's a chance. The key for us is the home games. We need to start our campaign well. If we can get a victory at home against the Czech Republic and get three points on the board at the start, then that gives you a platform. And like I say, you've got nothing to lose against England. Obviously, like, on paper, they're probably... Well, we've got world-class players with Robertson and Tierney and that as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're better, like, all over the park in most areas. But, again, we've came on as a nation and stuff like that. And even against Holland. And Holland, and people say it's a friendly and that, but they still had... Vinaldum, Frankie De Jong and okay the guys only played half the, the referee gave you no favours last night exactly that Memphis Depay as well he's one of the best uh, midfielder, midfielder stroke attackers in Europe just now as well no, I mean, so he says Hollander they, they've got some really good players but I tell you one thing when me and Jonas go down to England what will be happening the same as the last time is that fountain in the middle down there that'll be getting right with the fairy liquid again like yeah there's really <laughs> havoc costing that like <laughs> down there again, I guess. I saw. I was in Scotland today last night. It was to their own saying the last thing uh, the Scotland fans not to travel down, and the fan zones only for emergency key workers. See the bit around the fountain and that. That's all. Yeah. But what I saw in the news, it looks as if it's all fenced off in that. I say the things. There's still a bit as well. Like say, I'm looking at there. 18th of June is the the start for that game. So two weeks tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of time in between uh, that yet. So. Lockdown rules could even change in that later. I mean, so we're obviously playing it by ears. It's done. Like nothing will change, nothing unless something serious happens. Between that and then, so. Did you help in that when you go? No, I'm not a cult wearer, like. Jonas. <laughs> no, I'm not either. I've not got the legs for it. <laughs> I just can't wear a cult because somebody would hang at the bottom of it. <laughs> 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 Before we talk, we start talking about different teams there underneath the, underneath the kills somewhere. I don't want to go, to be honest. Uh, we talk some strange things in the podcast, Mark, but we're not going there. Uh, I, 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 is there any Dundee United players in the, in, in, in the Scotland squad, Jonas? Uh, no, like Lauren Shankland was in the squad, like a striker. Yeah, he, was in he the got squad. left out at the end, kind of last minute, didn't he? Yeah, he I mean, the final squad. Yeah, he, he was he was called up last season based on his championship form and that, and he's never really hit the heights, and that's been the combination of injuries, a combination of the service that we've provided them, and also just a combination of the fact that there was other people that were ahead of him by the, the time that came round. So, not can't really complain, could, you know. Could he could he start probably blaming your your ex manager for that, Mickey Marin, because the system he was playing playing players out position that he wasn't getting the service and stuff like that. Yeah, there's an element. There's an element of that in the sense that he wasn't getting, he wasn't getting crosses because he's not got the pace to be. Exactly, you said that. Yeah, he's an in between the stick striker, so he needs service. So, yeah, he certainly suffered because of lack of that. There's, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, is there any other Dundee player you think would you you would like to see in in the squad? We don't have anybody really at international level at the moment, like. Um, 
squad wise, there's a few young guys like Logan Chalmers, like the young winger. He's in the Scotland under twenty one squad, so he's been called up to like the European Championship squad and that for them or the the twenty ones qualifying campaign. I can't remember exactly what they're playing just now, but he's in the twenty ones anyway. And there's a couple of other young lads further down the chain in the eighteens and seventeens and things. So there's young guys coming through, but it'll be probably still a while before we see any of them at first team level unless they have an exceptional couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, I, I, I watched him there closely last night uh, because a lot of folks would say maybe he, he he was treated unfairly at Celtic and he needs another second chance. Uh, Jack Henry had a good game, in, in my opinion, last night. You know, it, it's, it, do you think he'll have a, a place next season under his new management and should he be given a chance? I don't think so. I still don't think he's good enough for Celtic. Um, I'm from the I mean, he scored the goal in that fair enough, and it was a good goal. But I just think when you actually peel back the layers, I just didn't think he. I don't think he was ever good enough for Celtic. If I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Mark, sorry, what you going? No, I was just like just saying that I just don't think. But I'm just looking at the Scotland squad just now, and the fact like that Grant Hanley and that's in the Scotland squad, but Sean Rooney and that never got in it. And don't get me wrong, I think the Scotland squad is quite strong. Mm-hmm. You look at like you say some of the players that performed well, like you say like Sean Rooney in that this season. But yeah, there's players like Grant Hanley and like, even like how could that Nathan Patterson, who's never really played all season, played three or four games or that, getting ahead of Sean Rooney facing Johnston? I, I think that I was just pressure from, yeah. from 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 Stephen Gerrard. No, I mean it's absolutely it's great that he's, sorry. I don't pay much attention really to Scotland team or international football, but see what they're saying about the players that should be in the Scotland squad, that probably is, but see for years the Scotland squad, you'll get picked for the squad if you're sitting in a Premier League club bench before you will if you're scoring goals in the SPL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just again, that would shine not getting into the Scotland squad, it's just a kind of, again, it's a bit snobbiness when it comes to, to me, that's the way it always looks. If you look on the basis of his performances this season for St Johnston, the goals that he scored in the cup finals, he's been one of the outstanding players for St Johnston this season, along with a guy, uh, McCann. But people and are going to buy a Scotland ticket to go and see him and they can see some guy that sits in the bench for Man United every second weekend. I think a lot of that comes into when the squads get picked as well. If I'm being honest, we're looking at the Scotland squad, you've got players like John Fleck. Should never be near the squad. Going by John, go, go, go back just before you move on there, Michael. This whole John Flick situation there that he tested positive for COVID and and the Scottish FA coming up saying that there was no close contacts with him and was said that going back to the Dubai trip, uh, Julian was was with us and our whole squad had to quarantine. What's your thoughts on that situation? It's just double standards, is it? Mm-hmm. Again, no. not I again. No one in this chat or forum or that will be shocked by that. You know what I mean? Like you say, I remember right back at the start of the season when Bolingoli got um, obviously did what he did, and he basically got chased out the country with pitchforks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jonas, like, what? Sorry, go on, Mike. Go on. No, sorry, that. Like you said, you want Jonas come in? Yeah, Jonas, what's your take on that? Like at that situation, like and. Uh, would Celtic have to quarantine to a whole first team and miss missing two games when they came back back in January? Like, and, and now we see basically what, I, what I'm looking at is a cover by, by by Scottish football, you know. And then they're saying that there's five players that stayed back 
but they weren't in close contact with him. And all tested negative as well. Yeah, but I think that, I think that's it's just been it's been a, an absolute sort of embarrassment right from the word go. You know what I mean? I was like when Dundee United we got a team photograph taken, mm-hmm. and then that Jason Leach, like the clinical director, lambasted us on on BBC and everything and said, oh, there'll be questions asked and everything. We got thrown under the bus because of a team photo and things. And then you see other clubs, people going to parties and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, they're playing the next week. So the internal sanctions seem to disappear after a week. And it's like, it's just, I think they just hold people to a higher standard depending on who you are. It's kind of, if your face fits this week, we'll let you off with it. But if I'm annoyed at you for something, you'll get hammered. You know what I mean? There's no consistency whatsoever with that approach. I find it a big coincidence like that Diminis Morales leaves the Rangers football club and he goes to Colombia. He's straight away, he's tested for for COVID and, and he's he's positive for COVID virus. You know, like, there was never questions asked the Rangers how their players, none of their players tested positive considering all these parties that they were caught at. You know, like the Scott Chef, they didn't want to know about it, Mark, so they didn't. Just, 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 as Mikey said, there's just been double standards for the get-go. Mm-hmm. There, there's not been any actual... It's, it's, somebody mentioned it the other night, talking about the Celtic board, they've been mere reactive than proactive. It's as if the government and the SFA are just reacting to situations rather than having a plan, a plan and that's what they were sticking to. Mm-hmm. I guess going back to the, the, the manager too from from Hamilton when he came up and he questioned the referees and stuff like that and he was banned for, for two, three games, Mark. Like, you know, they don't want to know. No. You know, that's... Like everything at Disney. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just the kind of treat... You also know the kind of feeling as a Dundee United fan. If you're no Celtic or Rangers, nobody really pays much attention to you when you're moaning about stuff and trying to... Because you've not got the same kind of clout as a manager of Celtic and Rangers coming out and saying something. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, just going on back to what we were talking about is uh, the Euros. The, the uh, how do you think this this Scottish team will go? How far do you think they go? Will they go to the quarters? Will they get to the playoffs? Or do do you fancy the the, the chances? Uh, Jonas, Michael, go on. Things are there. I think um, they'll definitely go. They'll, they'll, I think they'll get to the last sixteen. Mm-hmm. I just think there's a good there's a good feel around like I was a bit too young to remember France Mingy. That was the last big tournament that um that Scotland were in. But um I can't remember there being this I wouldn't say hype, I don't want to use that word, but there's a decent like what's the word to use? People are more optimistic about the Scotland team than in recent teams, put it that way. Is that down to Steve Clark, though, to where he's setting up the team, you're honest? Because that, that, he, he had some good managers over the years. He had, like, Strachan and Walter Smith was there. He had uh, the German lad. Who was the German lad that was in charge Bertie of him? Bertie Vort. And is it the way Steve Clark has this team performing that's 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 making this team click the unity within what, Scotland? What I would say is I think he's found the system that suits the players that we've got, like square, mm-hmm. you know, he's putting, uh, he's putting round pegs and round holes, whereas previous Scotland managers have had quality at their disposal, but they've maybe been top heavy in certain positions and they've tried to accommodate big names and stuff, and it's just, the team's been unbalanced, but Clark seems to have found the system 
that suits the players that he's got. And that's he's what gone. management's all about, you know. It's exactly. It's finding the system to suit the players that you've got at your disposal. Especially at international level when you've got a smaller pool of players to choose for. Correct. Whether you're Brazil or Scotland, you've still you've still got a smaller pool, so you can't pick and choose players that you, you want kind of idea. No, no. Go on, you're honest. No, I was just going to say, you can't help where you're born, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you, you, like you say, international football, you are limited to the people that are from your country. Okay, you'll get exemptions if you qualify through a relative, but everybody that plays for their country has got some sort of roots in that country, whether it's through citizenship for a number of years or whether it's through bloodline. So, yeah, you can't just go and say, well, there's not an international transfer market. You can't go and buy teams for yeah, players exactly. for your country, you know? Unless you're, unless you're the Irish Republican team and get half the England B team to play with Ireland, then... <laughs> <laughs> We all go. We Scotland have just been as guilty as that as well. I was watching, as I said, I was watching Scotland today last night, and Stuart McCall came on talking about us. In Scotland, we've got so many world class players now compared to previous years, and this pure broad, like Bradford accent. Do you know what I mean? I mean, even Richard Goff was born in was it Sweden? He was born or South Africa? South Africa, uh, yeah. Was he? Scotland have done that for years as well. There's been a lot of Scotland. So, like, legends that weren't actually born in Scotland, uh, Paul? There used to be a point with the Scotland team that if you were playing in Scotland or if you had a Scottie dog that you could have played for, qualified to play for Scotland at one point. Eh? I mean, you could have a Scottie dog and you could have got a get... Don Hutchinson in that, the same as he know. I'm pretty sure that he was as English as they come as well. I'm sure so, it's I. It's called the, 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 the granny rule or something like that, isn't it? The, the, the granny rule. Yeah, the granny... So just going to what what you always say there, like that he's found the system to, and he's got the players clicking and stuff like that. England tried to do that for years between Lampard and Gerrard, and they were two players of the prime that two great players who actually couldn't play with each other. You always wanted Lampard and Gerrard; they just couldn't click. They were too similar as the players, you know. Yeah, no, like, that's what I mean, um, because they were both the number one great, like midfielder at exactly. the club. So then you had. And then, the, the, like, I mean, England should actually be ashamed of themselves at the fact that they never won exactly. a major tournament when they were going through that supposed golden generation with all those players in it when they had Rooney, well, even sort of Beckham towards the end of his career, Lampard, Gerrard, again, like. But it's going back to what you said, like, just picking the, the big name players and, and not, not picking the best team out for, uh, on the day, like, and they're, like, they're still guilty to, to this day. Do you know what I mean? The, 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 the English managers, even Southgate's guilty of it by playing the big name players instead of the, the, like, the lower teams, you know? Mike? Yeah, just play. Yeah, do you want to squad? No, I knew what Michael was, alright, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you play for your country, you should be born in the country that you represent. Far too many, like you say. Some players that get caught from the I think back to some of the players that got caught for Scotland back in the day. Who was that guy? I think it was, in, was that Chris Uwalumo. Remember he got remember that miss? Who was that against? Norway. He remember that you want remember yeah. that, that that was like the, the chat on that I'll remember that. But Jesus, that like how he ever played for Scotland, I'll never know. Like, uh, I think that's because he played down in England as well. I don't know who he played for or that at the time. I, I can actually tell you who he played for in his career. But might, might have been Burnley or Birmingham or something like that. Well, I was thinking Leicester. I think it's a bit with Leicester, maybe. 
I'm sure he was at, he was definitely at Burnley, I think, at the time, because he was scoring a few goals. I think that's where he was. He was at a Birmingham, Birmingham or Burnley, a club like that, anyway. Uh, just before we move on, uh, and we finish up the show, who's uh, you fancy for us? Um, I'm looking at France or, or Belgium with the the two teams. I think France under their kids will beat anything, but again, it's, taught, it's the usual French. What French team turns up, Jonas, in my opinion, you know? Yeah, I mean, the French have got a wee ring of that about them as well, where they've got, I mean, obviously they won the World Cup and stuff like that, but it depends on, again, is when you've got a country with massive egos in every position, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's hard to, I mean, you must be a nightmare being their manager because you, you'll have guys that didn't get a game that would walk into the starting lineup and near enough every other country in the world almost. So. I think with, with, with Belgium as well, like, there's been so much talk about this group of players over the last couple of years that they're, they're building up. They've come through to the Bruyne, Lukaku, uh, think, I, I could name them now, but I can't think of them. But there's that group of players who've been with each other for so long. It's kind of no one never really for Belgium not to win a trophy, uh, you understand this? Yeah, well, you saw what happened to them against, like, you know, they looked odds on to win the Euros and then mm-hmm. Wales absolutely, Wales just came along and basically turned them over. So, this golden generation thing seems to be bonded about a lot, but very rarely do you actually see it to come to fruition. Yeah. Look, at, look at Argentina over the years with the players yeah. they had: Aguero, Messi, Higuain, Kinley, even. But they were always two top heavy with attacking players, but never had a good mid- like a good defence. Eh? That's the thing, like with, with, with Messi, like in like you could say that we Ronaldo won a couple internationally, but ne- Messi never really won the World Cup or anything like that. Was with, with Argentina you know I think that's going to be his biggest regret isn't it with Argentina Messi you know uh, Mark are you there I go to you with, with Messi I probably will regret it but ah fuck him I don't, I don't, I don't like Lionel Messi you know that I don't uh, so who I know you, you you don't have an interest mass but You'll watch some of the games, I presume, with Scotland involved. But who would you fancy? Who do you think uh, have you any interest at all in this? Oh, obviously, if you're all going to be watching it, I need to kind of watch it. Because we're going to do like we're going to do a pod with Mike. We're doing we're going to do your pod when when it's on, like because it's going to be the football that's on, and we're going to do we're going to watch closely the the, the Celtic players. It like well, I I I I'm back in France anyway. That's I'd my thing. With, I'd go with France or Germany. Just through the years, I've just always. Been Strong teams when it comes to like yeah, the Germans always they, they know how to win, don't they? The Germans don't they? They're there about the Germans, they really are. Again, mm-hmm. Belgium, I don't fancy Belgium at all. With Martin is in charge of them. Jonas, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't give us the name who you're actually backing. Um, I'm gonna go for Holland. <laughs> I'm gonna go for um. I'm going to go for Portugal. I think they, they'll have a, a sneaky run at it this time again. Yeah, yeah they're sort of about them as well. But now it always turns up for them as well, don't they? You know, he, they're, they're winners, aren't they, Portugal as well? Like, they're winners. Give us another team. Michael, you said? I'm 100% going against everything that Mark says and um, going for Belgium. Um, I have a so sneaky much. feeling I, about Belgium as well, Mike. I do. I think this group of players now, like they've they've been together for so long, like it's 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 is it their time? You know. Well, what well, well, about there as well? There's a guy in the Belgian squad that probably no one would have heard of. His name is Jeremy Doku. He's just a young guy. He plays for Rennes in France, 
and wait until you see this guy play football. Well, we've we've watched him close. You bought him on FIFA, didn't you? <laughs> I think that's that. Get on FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like you say, he's um, the next big thing that's came out of Belgium. And um, I just like, I think, I think, like a lot of people don't like Roberto Martinez, but Belgium of as a squad, if you look at their player by player, they're easily as good as France or Germany mm-hmm. or Portugal. But like you say, England were good for years. Well, they were individual players and never played well as a team. Mm-hmm. I just think Belgium will. Unless they meet, I don't know what the route is to the final, but unless France or Belgium meet each other on the way, I can see that being the final. Perfect. Uh, again, lad, oh, I said France. Oh, so you did. I, I think uh, that the France, that just shows Mark what I'm offering off you're actually listening to me, and Mark's probably saying the back there as Paul now going off and well again, I'll switch off there because <laughs> he'll probably rattle on for another 10 minutes, you know. And, uh, that's it for tonight, folks. Again, my, my thanks to Joris and Michael again for joining us. I'm no sure your lads will join us when we're doing the Europe part as well and we'll talk about the progress of Scotland in European football. Uh, before I move to Mark to close the show, we're doing a special edition uh, this Sunday, hopefully at 2 o'clock, where we're joining Celtic fans down under in Australia to give us an insight into Andre Poscoe. What can you say? What's his name, Mike? Andre Oscar Coglu maybe join us home run it's, there's one lad who there's the two lads who are involved in the football club they're called Celtic Australia's football club if you want to look them up on, on the internet they'll rejoin us uh, it's go, they're going to be 9pm in Australia we're going to be 2pm in here so we can get the time zones right but it's going to be interesting. Myself and Mark have been working on this for the last couple of years, trying to get it over the line, and we got it over the line today. But it's going to give you guys a different view of Celtic supporters in a different country, and they'll give us an insight how he plays football, what he is as a manager, and they're also going to talk about how their club was formed and how they started forming Celtic. Mark, it's going to be an interesting show having these guys on in this. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, Paul. Well, we should do a good show. Just listening to them with different views, for, uh, even about Celtic. Do you know what I mean? For another continent. So I'm mm-hmm. glad we've got it set up. I'm really, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing it. <laughs> so, folks, that's it from tonight. Um, please, again, thanks for tuning in. But tune in on Sunday at two p.m. where. This, this, uh, these group of lads will be coming on with us. There's two lads coming on with us, so be interested to hear what they say. Mark, you can close the show. Right, thanks very much, Paul, again. Uh, thanks to Jonas and Mikey for joining us and John earlier on and all the troops on the live chat again. Thanks very much. Uh, remember, hit the subscribe button and share it on your social medias and that as well. Please help us build it up a wee bit better. Okay, thanks, lads. Good night. God bless. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel.